we need to redefine success. It's not always your title. It's not always the number that's on your W-2. It's not always the letter grade that is assigned in school. Yeah. Else. And I think that should translate from you know, first grade on through executive level. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to connecting women through stories, inspiration, and actions that empower resilience, leverage change, and celebrates their next. If you have lived half a century, certainly you have valuable skills, knowledge, and something you can share. Creating online courses on an appealing platform is another way to reach your audience, deliver your knowledge, and create an income source. I've been a Kajabi user for over five years, and I'm continually impressed with the amazing capabilities, options, excellent support, and the dedication to continue to innovate and provide the very best to their users. It's everything you need from soup to nuts to house your pearls of wisdom and share with others. To get your first month free, go to www.nextcareerlife.com backslash income. That's www.nextcareerlife.com backslash income. And get your first 30 days for free. Today's guest is a powerhouse. Natalie Ruiz is CEO of Answer Connect, a remote first company that made an innovative move back in 2007 and switched to a work from anywhere model. Not only has she seen success, but has positively impacted her company's triple bottom line, which takes into consideration people, planet, and profit. Natalie is an advocate for women and marginalized groups, an award-winning businesswoman and executive, is passionate about equity in the workplace, is a speaker and published thought leader. Wow. Thank you for being here. So glad to see you, Natalie. Well, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. This has been the bright spot on my calendar all week, so I'm excited to get to yeah. connect. I think we're pretty passionate about the same things, you and I. Um, you know, and I just like to hear for the audience to hear a little bit more about you, your history, and and we'll we'll dive into some questions. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, where do you want me to start? <laughs> well, what got you started? You know, this was very innovative back in 2007, and I just don't want to go on about myself, but I went remote because the economy went flat, and, mm-hmm. and I had to go remote to keep myself afloat, um, But uh, and I love it, and I've never gone back. I mean, it's just the best thing for me. So what made you decide to do that? And that's really innovative that you, you went that way. So... Necessity is the mother of invention. I think at the time we had a real business need or a challenge that we were facing. Our company was growing still early in the 2000s and we were running out of space real estate wise. The technology was just coming available to experiment with this idea of telecom and telecommunications and cloud services. Uh And we took the leap and we started experimenting with our workforce, actually with just one employee who we had worked, quote unquote, remotely, but like where where we could see her and try this just a proof of concept. What we didn't know is that the recession of 0809 was coming. Mm -hmm. And with that, we we made the choice at the right time. And Mm -hmm. that allowed us to not only survive, but I, I dare say even thrive through that really tough circumstance. And there was just no turning back once we started to see all of the benefits of this model. Oh my gosh. Now, it's just for the listeners to, to understand, remote working back then was just not even considered. And, and so you always had to have employees and I did mm-hmm. as well. So I really took a leap and you had to leap and, and have a leap of faith that this was going to work. And then you saw that it did. I mean, 
Right. So the only remote work that was really on, I think, our radar at that time were these, this idea of digital nomads, kind of individual players. And yeah. that was the dream, right? Take your laptop, park on a beach, et cetera. But that right. was not our business at all. Right. We had a full building with multiple suites, uh, a contact center, operations, sales, HR, you know, all of the typical business functions. And we had to figure out how do you do that at a distance? How do you make sure that not only is the business running and you're hitting all of the different metrics that you need, but that you're maintaining a company culture, that there's quality, that there's accountability, that there's engagement. And so, yeah, uh, we were kind of blazing our own trail for a while. And then, of course, with 2020 happening, I think most companies dove into the deep end in some way. And again, just eternally grateful that we had a head start on all of that. Oh my gosh, it's just amazing. So I want to talk about the pros and cons because the pros, mm-hmm. I'm hearing you talk about the building, air conditioning, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lighting, uh, the tra- you know, people driving to work, um, having people there, you know, using our, our natural resources to keep, and everyone was doing it, to keep your business going and you had to. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you erase that and you no longer have that, how do you keep people um, earning and engaged sure. and relevant? So um, this was sort of the great, the great sort of solution, but you said something really important and that is the, the culture, the company culture and, and being able to interact and all of that. So what did you find that you had to do in order to have a connectivity with, with the people that work for you? Because if they're not behind the company and what the company is wanting to do at the end game, mm-hmm. it's really hard to serve your customers well, right? It is. It is. So you have to be intentional when it comes to maintaining that company culture. One of the, one of the things that was very sad was that you don't have these moments for spontaneous connection, right? Water nice. cooler moments don't happen. You don't walk nice. into the elevator at the same time nice. and there is value there. Now we work really hard to try to replicate some of those moments and create an open environment where within the click of a button, you can connect with anybody globally. And we have, years of experience. So I would actually venture that we're more open than a traditional office where you have to kind of bolster your energy to knock on somebody's office door. But it was a lot of trial and error. And I would say the other side of making it work is being really serious about creating psychological safety. What does that mean? So psychological safety in the workplace, it means that people can be real. They mm-hmm. can be authentic. They can tell you if something isn't working. They can speak up. Uh, environments that don't have psychological safety, you, you see a lot of head nodding, not a lot of vulnerability. And that wouldn't have helped us get where we needed to go. As, so as a workforce, we needed people to be able to say, I tried this and it's not working. Or, hey, anybody else just like over it at 2 p.m. every day? Yeah, okay, how do we address that? And I think without being able to have those true, honest conversations about what's working and what's not working, you can't iterate as quickly. And then you might call the whole thing off. Oh, well, people aren't engaged. Okay, well, why? And nobody is courageous enough to say so because they don't feel safe to. You know what? That's the difference between managing people and leading people. Because you're giving them, I mean, um, throughout my relationship with my kids and all that, I've always said I'm, I'm I always wanted them to feel like they, it was safe. They could say anything to me and that respectfully. I mean, they couldn't be rude to me, but, but <laughs> respectfully, I wanted them to feel like they needed to be who they are and say what they needed to say. 
I never wanted them to be alone, feeling alone, like, you know, with what their feelings were and not mm-hmm. being able to, to voice them. So I love that you did that. You had that sort of culture in your company. So let's just back up a little bit further. And what inspired you, um, Natalie, to just go and run a business all on your own? Back in 2007, and back, I bet it was before that. So, well, so I would say, you know, as a human, as a person, as a young person, I was always dreaming big. So I always had big dreams, big aspirations. And when I started with my company, though, it's, I think it's important to say, I didn't start with Answer Connect thinking that I was going to become the CEO. In fact, I found the job because I wanted something that was not stressful. <laughs> and had flexible scheduling. And yeah. so I started as a salesperson at my company thinking this this will work for now. I'm kind of burnt out from what I have been doing. Let's just see how this just job fits into the box. But very early on, I had the ability to use my voice and to bring kind of the experience, which was unconventional for me, all kinds of different jobs and life and et cetera into the conversation. And I could see that those ideas could get some oxygen and some play. And so I had an opportunity to grow rapidly along with the organization. And when I had the chance to take on the role of CEO, I said yes, even though super scared. Um, But I, I believed in our business and I believed in our people. And as a woman and as a person with an unconventional background, I felt like if you have a chance to say yes to something like that, you better say yes and then make the most of it. Yeah. I love that. I love that you leaped because, you know, there's been some pretty uncertain things in my life, but I know that, you know, when I look at myself, you know, you compare soup to nuts and wait, I've done all that. I could do this. Right. You, you right. Feel like, I, can, I can do this. It's just, you want to make sure the committee is, is, is with you. Like you have to <laughs> work on the committee saying, who do you think you are? You can't do that. Oh, but you know what? Leap and do it because I, you can. I grappled with that so much. And so I, that's why I talk about it. I absolutely had the gremlins or I think the committee, the committee, the committee <laughs> in your brain, <laughs> the committee was not on board. The yeah. committee was telling me things like, are you being like, is this a joke? Is there another shoe that's going to drop? Like, what is going on? Um, and I still said yes, because I thought, hey, even if, it's, even if it's a cruel joke, even if I'm not ready, let's give it a try. And it took some time, but now the committee's on board. Right, exactly. <laughs> the committee's always, because I think our brain is the way it's set up, that's our, our really, you know, base level brain where it's trying to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. So the committee's there going, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You might fail. And right. the thing is, it's like, you, you don't want to get to the end of your life and say, I avoided all those things that I thought I would fail. And honestly, that would be a fail to not try. When we not look try. back at our lives, I mean, I want to, I want to know that we left it all out on the field. We gave it our best. And you asked what led me to kind of leading a company. I mean, loving the company, caring about the people that we serve and the people that we employ, and then thinking, if we want to change the way work is, if we want to change the way society is, if we want to change the example that we give our kids, then we have to have some skin in the game. And that means I have to take action. And take risks. Yes. Take risks, not silly risks, but take risks. If you're willing to take the risks, you might just get paid off. You know, they might pay off. They might pay off. I, I always say, you know, half time, you know what, right at the end of the game, the clock's running out and the guy's in the middle of the, boat, the basketball court and he takes that three point, you know, shot. And you don't know if he's going to make it or not, but he at least put all, like you said, leave it all on the, on exactly. the field, leave it all out there. Because if they win because of that, then fantastic. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I just love that. And um, so that is exciting. And I wanted to talk about um, how you've won all these awards. This is really impressive. You're an impressive lady, Natalie. And um, I, I'm just glad, one, that you have a company that keeps people working, especially well, past this, 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 epi- you know, this whole like, epidemic, the whole problems and the pandemic and, and, and people being able to continue to work. For me, that's just so important. Whether we have the pandemic or not, I think that it, it's just, especially for women mm-hmm. having to leave the workforce as they have, this sort of flexible hybrid work idea is now yeah. being, it's now being adopted. People are saying, oh, it can work. Yes. Um, and, and the fact that you were able to keep people working, I'm sure that's been huge. It, it has. I really believe that the remote remote work model can be a catalyst for changing the way that we work, changing what work looks like, changing what balance looks like, and it can lead to more inclusive workplaces. We've seen that. We've seen the opportunity for people who would traditionally need to leave the workforce because of any number of factors, whether it is relocation of a spouse because of a job and who is the primary caretaker, Um, people with school-aged children, people who are in school themselves and all of these other people with disabilities, all of these different factors can be overcome when you take out some of the walls that folks have to jump over, like commuting, like being near a population center, all of these things. And so I'm very passionate about remote work. I'm really glad that others have gotten to have some experience with it. And I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that those experiences will carry us forward to a more flexible work. But for us, seeing the opportunities that can be there when you question all of the things that we grew up believing to be true, you question that you have to get in your car and you have to spend two to four hours a day in traffic, or you question that work looks like nine to five for everybody, or you question that you have to decide if you're going to miss your child's event or work late. Mm -hmm. For me, in my role as a leader, if I have the power and the privilege and the platform to question that, I'm going to do it loudly. And then I'm going to work really hard to come up with a better answer. And I think there always are. It's just if you're creative enough to think of it, there always is an answer to the, to the problem. There's always an answer, answer. There's a solution. And I love that you were saying that because I just did a, a just wrote a blog about this, about how... Um, we have learned and we know what matters now and being stuck inside mm-hmm. and working from that. Now, going forward, we, of course, will have children in school. We won't be homeschooling and trying to do everything. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. But the fact of the matter is, is that we can, the, the, okay, I have young children who are, in fact, getting married. I have, both of them are getting married and they're <laughs> moving out of, of, the state of California because it's, it's, it's more affordable, but they can now they can work remotely and they can um, be part of their community. They don't have to be commuting, which is going to save the environment. There's yes. less stress on our environment, less stress on the people. And it's just a better way altogether. The only thing that I would say, because I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life, you have to embrace this sort of being alone because a lot of times when you're, you're working um, remotely, you are alone, but I have scheduled in where I overlap with people and, you know, I would do certain things. And when I am sitting down and working, boy, do I get work done because I know that from, you know, nine to two or 10 to three, I am so focused. 
and yes. I get so much more done. And then I make sure that I see a friend or I make sure that I go do this or that or I exercise. So I think you just have to get really good at, inner, you know, at, at scheduling those things in for yourself. It's really important. I agree. I agree. And checking in with yourself on what is working, what's not working and being intentional about building your community or refilling your cup on the interactions that actually matter. Right. And then the, I, exactly like what you had said too, then you can show up for the soccer game. You can invest in your community. Say there's something mm-hmm. you want to be a part of. Maybe you want to coach a team, you know, and you can do that. Or you, you're, you want to, you know, be the room mom. Or for me, you know, my age group, it's, it's aging parents. And, um, you know, siblings, too, who are, are with the aging parents who are handicapped or whatever, that you have to start looking after them. So I was reading the New York Times over and over again during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So many women were leaving the workforce because not only for children, but to take care of. Yes. And, and so um, it's just a real issue. And I'm just so passionate about how can we get support around these women who are so valuable to our economy and have so much to offer that they, that they can still continue to remain relevant. The other thing I wanted to point out, too, is that um, women save, they put money away more often than men, but because of the pay inequality mm-hmm. in corporate, as well as having to stop and start again and again, they don't have, they don't have nearly as much money put away as men. And so that's another issue where if you're working remotely and you're working within a plan, then, you know, and you said you're, and I want you to talk about that, you know, companies can offer still the 401k match, mm-hmm. all those different things, Absolutely. even if they're not physically there because they can continue to keep working and putting away money because we're all living longer. And we all have to think about, you know, we got to prepare for the party, you know, the, yes. when we're old. And so I want you to touch on that, what, what you've developed for your company. Well, absolutely. So one thing that I know to be true for myself, and I have found to be true with so many of my women friends, mm-hmm. is that we don't talk about money as much as a norm. And we didn't learn about investing. We didn't learn about saving. We didn't grow up with some of these connections or these conversations. And so we're learning about it later in life. I mean, I remember early in my career opting out of a 401k. Why would I want to put money away? I want my money now because I didn't know better. So at our company, we started something some time back where we auto-enrolled folks into the 401k. Mm -hmm. And they could, of course, opt out. But we we recognized that if you auto-enroll in something, it takes action to opt out, as opposed to what we were doing before. We would make people take action to enroll. And it was amazing because we had a huge adoption rate. So many people who were in it and so many people who years later, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful that this is there. And they were probably much like I was early in my life, thinking like retirement, that's some other lifetime away, not thinking that this small amount of money that you probably won't miss from your paycheck could really be compounding over time. And so trying to build in some of that financial literacy and some of that access has been really important because again, if we want different, we have to do different. And if we can question all of these things, then we should. Oh my gosh. And, and, and to make women more aware of, of, of saving for themselves because yes. life, who, who out there has a smooth and easy life? Things come up. 
where you're things are you're going, I'm doing good. I've got traction. I really am, you know, gaining some momentum here. And I'm 27 years old or 32 years old. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you're in your 40s, 50s and beyond. So it's really good to, to as a nation, we all need to prepare better for the future financially yes. and be more aware and have those conversations. I just wish that they would talk about it more in, in high school's I do too. To both the kids, I, you know, I both girls too. and boys. <laughs> yes, I do too. I there are so many things that we didn't learn in you know primary school and high school that would sure come in handy now. You know, um, financial literacy, um, understanding taxes, understanding so many of these aspects. And I can tell you, there's a lot of things I did learn that I don't use. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? And then, and, but that's sort of academic is over here, and we have to do academic. But at the same time, um, it's it's really with your feet on the ground and learning and experiencing. That's where the most I think is so valuable. That is yes. super valuable. I don't want to go on a tangent, but I will just say having kids doing distance learning from home for the past year has really made me kind of shake up and then question this, you know, academic curriculum and then real life learning and emotional health and well-being versus what we're kind of square peg round holing trying to make curriculum work over Zoom. And it drove home something that I know to be true at work, but in all aspects of life, like, you know, my, my daughter is only in the first grade. Zoom school for 27 first graders is pretty rough. But so sometimes we're like, you know what, we're going to go do sidewalk chalk. We're going to bake something and it'll all catch up. And just, yeah. again, you know, question everything, reimagine things. What is the most important? I think it's our, our kids' overall well-being. I agree with you. And I always felt that it was important for my children's well-being and who they were and, what, and how they worked best to really make sure that they could thrive, that they could feel successful in yes. Well, you know, so I would, I would always try to situate it so that they could. And I think that a work environment, a company environment, same thing, you know, everyone's different and you have to sort of read that and go, okay, I know I'm going to pull the best out of you. I just have to find out where that's going to be. And, and so I think that you're probably a natural, naturally skilled person doing that. You probably see that in people. Well, it, what you just said made me think of one of my favorite Maya Angelou quotes about success, where it's liking what you do, liking how you do it, liking yourself, something along yeah. those lines. And I think we also, as women, we need to redefine success. It's not always your title. It's not always the number that's on your W-2. It's not always the letter grade that is assigned in school. Yeah. Something else. And I think that should translate from you know, first grade on through executive level. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what I've always said about what I do and what I've, uh, how I've lived my life. I said, success is, is self-defined and self-designed. So yes. you, because when I was in my twenties, what I wanted is so different than what I wanted in my forties, fifties. So I was constantly shifting and pivoting and, cre- and recreating, but I always knew who I was and what I could bring. And I think that that's really important for women now, especially out of the workforce and realizing, hey, I've got all of this potential. How can I re, re, re um, you know, up on um, yeah. creating something for myself? I think it's- I, I love that idea of continuing to evolve your definition of success as your life progresses. Yeah, right? Because is anyone the same? Is anyone the same? Hopefully not. I certainly don't want to revisit the, you know, Natalie of age 22. <laughs> I mean, either. Oh, my gosh. And also, too, how ambitious I was and how I thought I had to build this whole thing to define me. And yeah. then when I did, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't what I want. And so I had to, you know, 
right all up again but i want to talk about your wonderful you have some really great awards tell me about how those came around or did people nominate you or did because i'm a believer in like hey if i can sign up for this and and, and be sure sure i will stand so, up so it's really it's really interesting and i would say it was very uncomfortable with this concept um the awards have happened over just the last couple of years because for so much of my career i really wanted to just be head down working, building our business, building the people that I work with up. And it it was never about outside accolades. In fact, I had a really different perception. You know, you would see someone on the cover of a magazine or somebody getting an award and kind of see this whole thing happening. And I guess my perception was that one day somebody like rings your doorbell and they're like, hey, you're awesome. Have an award. <laughs> so that wasn't happening to me. And so I thought that's fine. I'll just keep working. It was really over just the last couple of years with the urging of people who I had met in the world who wanted to get more awareness of what our company was doing, some of the different things that I was doing out into the world. And I was against it at first because it felt like, you know, self-promotion feels yeah. very uncomfortable. On the other hand, when I kind of reduced down to kind of asking why multiple times, I think it's part of my responsibility as a leader and as a woman leader and as somebody who's trying to shake things up to get over myself and recognize what it could mean to have an award. Like one that I am really proud of was the Stevie Award for Women Helping Women mm -hmm. because it can show what an individual person with an experiment and some hobbies and some things that grow momentum can do. So I have been nominated. It was kind of after I said like that okay, sure, I, I suppose we could explore this. And I was actually really surprised to win. But the other thing, and this fed into the hobby that has now become a passion project for me, recognizing that nobody is ever going to ring your doorbell yes. and say, you're awesome. I want to feature you, award you, write you up, put you in Forbes, whatever it is. That doesn't happen. You do have to advocate for yourself. You do have to put yourself out there. And so with that, um, I started writing and publishing this feature series for women who were doing, in my mind, really remarkable things because I felt like, well, I now have peeked behind this curtain of what PR and advocating for yourself and what's possible here. I want to give some of that knowledge away and expose more women to those opportunities. And that's been a lot of fun for me. And that's on Medium, right? I've, that is I've on seen, Medium. I've read yeah. your blog on Medium. Yeah, really exciting that you do that and that you that you spotlight them. But I have, uh, I, I think it is uncomfortable. Got you on that one. <laughs> um, but again, you have to see the world doesn't know you, but you pop up when you have these awards and they're like, oh, who is she? And what is she doing? Oh my gosh, I know someone that could connect and this is, could be something blah, blah, blah. So I think it's so valuable and so important. And it, it, it does make us feel a little strange, but I think it's, it's, it, it's important. It's, it's been a dose of my own medicine. I, as a mentor, I was continually advising women to brag it up, like share yes. that, tell the world. And then not taking my own advice, which is always like a flag on the play for me. So yeah. I, I feel like I, I had to walk the walk and it's been fun and I'm getting you know, reasonably more comfortable with it. What I uh, had was a, a, a podcast guest who was a very successful businesswoman, and um, she had uh, 10 employees working, and she, whenever some kind of award came up, she would say, okay, fill out the form, and, 
And what it did was she won 10 awards. And a lot of times she goes, people weren't even applying for them. And what it did is that she goes, it wasn't that I was so needy and needing all these accolades. She goes, I just wanted to show, yes, um, I'm, I'm, I'm valid. And she's a woman of color. And she, mm-hmm. she said that that really helped her as well in business because it was difficult. I mean, she was this 10 years ago. And she yeah. said even then, and she just did extremely well. And she's so lovable and likable and fantastic. So it, it makes me think, and you and I talked about this briefly before, but I'll say it here. How could our lives have been different if we saw examples of strong women who were thriving, who were succeeding, who were representing pieces of ourselves mm-hmm. when we were in high school, college, early in our careers? Representation really does matter. It helps mm-hmm. pave the way, give you, uh, you know, uh, the plans of what could be possible. And right. so if we are shrinking, if we are hiding from the spotlight, if we aren't telling our story, if we aren't putting ourselves out there then we aren't extending our hand to help lift somebody else up. And that has been how I've pushed myself out of my discomfort and, you know, all of the, the gremlins or the committee, as you call it, yeah. telling me, like, who does she think she is? And, oh, you know, again, you're, well, I'm hoping that somebody who wonders, is it possible for someone like me to do X, Y, or Z, that they'll see you or they'll see your previous podcast guest or they'll see me and say, oh, well, maybe it is. Yeah. Because, there's a piece of that that resonates because they don't know you, but what, if you're not standing up and saying what you need to say and, and, and showing what you can do or what you have done or where you're, what you're about, yes. then you're not adding to the, to, to the positive um, outcome in this world. Right. You have to, you have to do that. So when you think about it collectively, it's not about, wow, I'm all that. It's not about that at all. It's about, here's, this is what I've done. And I've been, I've got these awards. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this is I know my <laughs> listeners are saying, how do you get awards? And I don't know if I could do that, but I really want women to hear this and you, say, stand you absolutely up. absolutely can. Yes, yeah. you absolutely can. And even if you don't win, get practiced at submitting, get practiced yes. at finding then find, find some of the women who did win. Congratulate them. Build your network. There is, we all win in those I scenarios. Love that. I love that. Only because, like I said, I just really want women to stand up and say, because women don't. And I think, and I've had conversations about this. I think because we are group oriented. Mm-hmm. And so as women, we don't really talk about all, because we don't want to alienate ourselves from the group. Mm-hmm. That's old thinking. Now I think we just have to say, "Yay, you did it! I'm so glad for you." And you know, and like you're saying, um, tell women, you know, compliment them when they're the winners, and build your network. It's just yeah. so fantastic when you do that. Agree. So, uh, yeah, Agree. I just think it's fantastic. So I want to talk about your uh, powerful women series and the ad- what you advocate for. I mean, you you obviously advocate for people working in, in the environment, but let's talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, so the Powerful Women series, it started, like I said first, it was kind of a hobby. It was at the beginning of COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. And so my travel schedule disappeared. All of the events that I had planned were gone. And even though I'm an introvert, there was a a hole there. And again, I had in my own life, these opportunities, speaking engagements, podcasts, awards, some features, some cool things happening. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy when you don't know how, I don't want to say easy it is because it's not easy. It takes work, but all yeah. things do. So I started just toying with this idea of featuring some women who I thought were doing great things. And that built up its own momentum to other women recommending women. And 
connected so many cool people who were doing impactful things in the world that it built its own ecosystem, which has been amazing. I'm passionate about being inclusive. I'm passionate about being a champion for folks that deserve equality in life and in workplace and shaking up some of the symptoms of systems that don't give everyone those same opportunities. And in my own way with features, it's telling some of those stories. It's giving someone a platform. Um, On a really personal level, I remember the first couple of times that my daughter saw my name on a byline or heard my voice on a video recording or something. And, you know, she's young, but she would look at me and say, you're on TV or you're, you wrote this. And I felt like it was really important to explain to her like, yes, I did. And own that so that she knows it's possible. And if the only readers of my medium series were the family, friends, and younger generations of these women, it would still be worth it. But in fact, it's led to more opportunities, more features, and and more momentum for some of their careers and initiatives, which has been awesome. That's fantastic. That is so fantastic. And you've said so many things that are so important, but but putting yourself out in the light and really putting yourself out there, I'm so glad that you're the type of person that that does do that because you've given opportunities to other people and they're learning. And I love that your daughter, that your your daughter sees you doing this and, and um is understanding that that's just my mom, but my right. mom is going out in the world and she's doing these things. So it teaches her that, you know, everyone's just a person, a regular person. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not you're willing to, to step up and do things that put you in the, what they call the arena where you're right. visual and, um, and, and you, you decide, is it worth it? And, and what you're doing, you know, what you advocate for is important. And I want to talk about just, just keeping women employed. Yes. Keeping, and, and I also wanted to say the old way, because you, you're, you're like me, you want to get rid of the old way of doing things. And the industrial you know, revolution, we're starting a new one, mm-hmm. where this hybrid workforce, and also that the corporate world really wasn't for women. Women kept trying to fit into the corporate mm-hmm. world, and it wasn't working. So I feel like this is the time for women now to, it, to do well, something. It has to be. I mean, we're in the midst of, they're calling it the she session because of the astronomically high number of women and specifically women of color who've had to leave the workforce because of the pandemic. So we were already behind. We were already not at a place of equality. And so if we want to recover from this, we're going to have to do some things that are radical. We're going to have to be very intentional about it. And I think flexible work, remote work, and also shaking up this idea of success or an executive or a leader looking one specific way or having one specific work style. That's not it. And I'm hoping that as we've all had humanity infused into our workforce through mm-hmm. all of the events of the last year plus, that some of that stays. Finally, for men in the workforce, I think it was more normalized for you know their kids to pop in to a video call for instance Um, whereas I would say statistically higher it's the women who are having to leave a little early to go and take care of mom duties well some of that was equalizing in at least the visibility I had somebody at work tell me that this past year was the first time that they've ever mentioned that they had kids (gasps) oh my gosh 
Because they were afraid. They were afraid. They were afraid. And and it wasn't because of necessarily our culture. They talked about previous work cultures, and it just wasn't normalized. And it was, you know, that the guys certainly didn't ever talk about family. They were private about that. And so just being able to say, we we created an employee resource group and um, a group collab and some meetings about working parents. Like, how are we doing this? Sharing tips. And we have some remarkable parents in our organization who had so many great tips. Um, and they were like, wow, just to have a safe space to talk about this and even just say, yeah, I'm struggling. I, I'm not meal planning. Like my kids are left to their own devices going to the pantry and having another parent that you work with who is a peer say, hey, that's okay. They ate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be okay. They're going to survive. <laughs> awesome that you, that you, you know, had that for them to be able to talk and, and normalize it and say, this is what we're all going through. We're, we're not going to fake it anymore. <laughs> that's the thing. None of us are at our best when we're faking it Yeah, because we're distracted. So what, especially when we connect with each other in just one small video square, we can pretend like everything's going swimmingly, but you've got, you know, who knows, landscapers outside, maybe a dog barking, kids in distance learning, Amazon delivery. Like, I hope we can continue to be a little bit real, that we do have lives outside of work. And when it comes to the workforce, having a life or requirements or duties outside of your core job duties, that's not a detriment. Right. I think there's a saying, like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I don't know anybody busier than a working mom. I'm just going to tell you. Oh my gosh, that is like that was a, that's one of my favorite sayings because it's true. It's like we just we just get it done. So you know, she may not be working the nine to five, but she'll get it done. And my experience is, and I and it's in my blog too, is that when I when the economy did flatline and my business was flatlining, I had to quickly turn things around and I had to go remote. And I found so many terrific women that were on, they were accurate, they, mm-hmm. they were efficient, and I, I just thought they were so great that I went ahead and, tur- and turned them, you know, and told them about my network about them so that they yes. could continue to work so I could expand and contract as business because business was so awful back in, right. you know, when the economy went flat. So I am a big believer in all of that, and I think it's terrific. And um, I just wanted to ask you, like, what are your goals? What do you hope for in, in what you're doing right now? Gosh. I. I hope to leave people in places better than I found them. I know that's really broad, but I feel like time is so valuable and we're going to spend 30% of our lives working, maybe more. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that the impact that I can make is something that's valuable. And for me, that means investing in people, lifting them up, giving opportunities. I have a huge debt to pay back on all of the opportunities Mm -hmm. I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I've been definitely a hard worker. So this isn't just one of those things where I say, oh, I'm so lucky. Yeah. I'm a hard worker. And I've yeah. put in the, the grit to get there. But I've also had a lot of things come my way or opportunities cross my path. And I want to create those for more people. Um, I want to be a good example for my kids. And I'm hoping that at the end of my life, I can look back and feel like I really did leave it all on the table. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation with you. And I could go on and on about about all this hybrid work and remote work and and really um, lifting women up. Um, And I just want to continue to interact with you. And um, I wish you the very best with your companies and all of your your, um, 
goals and the things that you're working on. Natalie, I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about this. It's my passion. Um, I would say to anyone listening, if they're wondering how to navigate these waters of shaking work up or what aspects you can kind of question, connect with me. I'm really happy to share what I've learned along the way. And I'd be open to any of those conversations. One more thing that I'm just, see, I have so many questions. One more thing that <laughs> there's a lot of women who are afraid because they have had the, the structure of the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And now they're thinking, well, if I go hybrid, if I go remote, how do I manage that? How do I, so your employees, they're employees. So mm-hmm. they have, their like intrapreneurs, like they're working within mm-hmm. a, a, a parameters. Yes. So it's good for them to know that it isn't just going to be cold turkey. Like you'll be working for yourself, but at the same time, you're working within a company. I think that that's going to have a lot of the corporate companies are going to, a lot of corporations are going to bridge that. And that's what's going to become. Structure is, structure helps in almost everything. So structure helps, you know, clear expectations help communication about what's working and what doesn't work helps any of us who just wander out into the wilderness of trying to reinvent the wheel are going to have some anxieties yeah we don't have to do that there's there's a roadmap for a lot of this and companies should take the lead i agree and i think that's great thank you again and uh, i i I wish you great success already you have but you're definitely a light you're definitely a light so thank you Thank you, Elizabeth. It's been a joy. Thank you for listening. Links to mine and my guest social media, as well as other resources you might enjoy, are all in the show notes. Why not take a quick 10-minute quiz to help find the right resource for you? Download the Compass mini course or browse the resource page and see what the next community has to offer. All available at www.nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend or coworker. Word of mouth is still the best way to find out about new podcasts. Until next time.